Welcome to TBA Now. I'm Keith Stern, the rabbi of Temple Beth Avodah. I am blessed to know the many extraordinary people who are connected to our congregational community. This podcast is an opportunity to get to know who they are and what they do. Sarah Wanger is as joyful and as exuberant as a Broadway show-stopping tune. She inspires everyone with her laughter and her smile. Sarah is a pediatric nurse, but in some ways, more importantly, at least for this podcast, she's a veteran of the TBA stage. She's been in several plays, the first of which was Wizard of Oz, when at age seven, she played a munchkin. And now, over 20 years later, she's starring as Dorothy in the upcoming performance of Wizard of Oz. Come hear her tell her story. She'll remind you that there really is no place like home. Sarah Wenger, welcome to TBA Now. It is such a pleasure to be talking to you today. Thank you so, so much for having me. This is, this is awesome. It is awesome. And I am immediately remembering how you would come into the temple. Uh, you, How old were you when you started coming here? Do you remember? I think five, six, somewhere in there. How did you find your way to this? Pl- I mean, I, I assume you came with your parents. You didn't just walk in by yourself. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness. Um, that would have, that would be a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my I went to a summer camp and um, really connected with the uh, camp nurse, and she was the temple president at the time. And so she invited. Yes, Anita Redner, yes. of blessed memory. Yes, Anita invited me and my parents to to join, and the rest has kind of been history. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, you came very faithfully. Uh, for many years, mm-hmm. and you did have a particularly, particularly u- u- unique style of entering the building. Would you would you describe that? <laughs> um, yeah. So i I don't know when this started or how it started, but whenever I would see you, even if it was like down the hall in and like through a window on the other side, I would just drop everything I was doing and sprint at you um, so that you could pick me up and spin me around. It was (laughs) always great. It was really, and you know, I would see you coming and you'd get this great glint in your eye and you would just take <laughs> off. And I knew I had to, if I was holding some the cup of coffee for a guy to put it down and just get yep. ready. And I have to say that uh, that is one of my ongoing, most joyful memories <laughs> of you and just kind of of how lucky am I to be a rabbi and have this sweet child so happy to see me and so happy to be here <laughs> at the temple. The joyfulness. I think is kind of part of your biography, isn't it? You're, you do you tend to think of yourself as an exuberant and joyful person? I definitely find myself to be enthusiastic. 
<laughs> I, I, I like, I like being a part of things that make me happy and make other people happy and seeing the way that people so passionately love TBA and, and a number of other areas of, of my life. But I think it definitely started here, just how much people love being a community here. It really kind of set that foundation for me. How does your sense of joy play into your understanding of who you are as a Jew? Every memory that I have of being at Temple has been a positive one and has been one that is full of joy. I think even in the ones that, you know, even if we're, you know, singing the Mourner's Kaddish or, or something that isn't innately joyful, there is a sense of community and belonging and I don't want to say joy, but still joy in having that community and having those people around you. The temple community, it's the you being the rabbi and, and being so welcoming and accepting and and that joy of of the the community definitely kind of grounds my Jewish identity. How has that played out as you've um, gotten older and went through high school and to college and then to where you are now? I think I lost a little bit of what my Jewish identity was in college once I graduated from Midrashah. I think I didn't quite know where that fit. And I we had a Hillel. I went to Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and was a part of went to the Hillel there and and participated in in holidays there, but never really never really connected deeply with that community. And I think it was actually 2020 during the pandemic, I had moved away from Boston, was living in Philly, was kind of trying to figure out who I was and and where I fit. And I think my dad must have sent me a link to some zoomed temple event. And I sat down at my computer and remembered what it was like to be a part of that community, to see all those faces. And even though it was not a great time during a global pandemic, having that community reciting the prayers that I've known and been singing for years just really helped me remember what that community was like and, and kind of drew me back in. Hmm. Zoom is now this new, the, a new place that we live and interact. And I wonder if you'd comment about that experience of, you know, sitting in front of your screen and, and listening um, and how you were able to connect to it spiritually. I think for me, one of the things that I am most closely connected with in terms of Judaism is the mm. music and the songs. Mm. Being someone who's been singing my whole life, that always drew me. Because even people who didn't sing, like my mom, she would still be 
singing along and chanting the prayers because she's also known them her whole life. And that sense of, of community and everyone doing it together, even over Zoom, even if people are muted, even if you see everyone singing together. And so it almost feels like you're sitting in the synagogue at the same, having that connection with people. I think it's, you know, a little, a little odd because you're used to having people right next to you. But I think especially for me, having, having moved away and having been in a different state, being able to remember that there is this community of people behind me, even if I can't sit next to them was so powerful for me. And just really, I remember like getting off of that Zoom call and just tearing up because it was so important to have that community behind me. And I didn't realize how important until it was there. I, I, so thankful for the technology that's enabled us to be able to do that and continue to use it for we stream every mm-hmm. Shabbat service we do, most of the stuff that we do, because people have bought into that modality as a means by which to connect. You talked about music and singing since you were just a little, little kid. Singing was a big part of your life growing up at the temple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> singing and, and theater were both very important for me. and. The first ever show that I was in was The Wizard of Oz. I think it was back in 2000. And I sang in the Lollipop Guild and was a flying monkey and (laughs) was very excited about that. Um, And it was just, that was another part of the temple community that always felt so warm and friendly and exciting. And then as I got older and was in Midrashah, we, Susan started the teen choir. And so Haley Friedler, Elon Wong, and I, and a couple other kids were all kind of the start of that singing together. And it was always so much fun to get together with, you know, my friends and then for us all to be singing together. And uh, Elon wrote music at one point that we all got to sing and just to mm-hmm. another way to connect with Judaism and and the the prayers that we've been connected to for so long is amazing. It's important to take a moment here to indicate that uh, your career began with uh, being part of the Lollipop League, um, <laughs> but it didn't end there. What was what other productions were you in? <laughs> After The Wizard of Oz, we did Annie. Um, and so uh, Jen Diamond and I were both the, the two little orphan Annies, which was, talk about magical experiences. That was, whew. just solidified my love of music and theater and my, also my love of the temple. Like there's always that connection 
Why is it so meaningful to you to be involved in a temple play? I think there's two layers to that. I think the first layer is just theater in general is such a collaborative and creative experience. And I think everyone who can be involved in anything creative at any point is, I think that that's super important in life. But I think the fact that it's at a temple, at our temple is just heightens that level of community. I think one of the reasons that my parents were so excited about joining TBA was because they heard that there were temple shows and they went, oh, Sarah's seeming to be inclined in that direction. Let's let's see what she'll do. The first time I was in The Wizard of Oz, I remember being so excited to be a flying monkey and wearing those wings and sprinting around the social hall. I remember the sassiest picture that was ever taken of me with those wings on and just (laughs) being able to have a space where the kids could interact with one another, but also where they could meet the other members of the temple in a setting that was communal, that wasn't just, oh, you know, it's a Friday night service and everyone's kind of, you know, interacting with the people that they know. It has a much more social aspect to it. And then going into Annie, I had a whole bunch of friends who were all the little orphans and singing Hard Knock Life together was some of the most fun I've ever had on stage. And then get to getting to turn around and also interact with all the adults and feel like an adult when you're not is just, I think it's so important to have that full connection because then as soon as High Holy Days came around the corner, it was basically like, kind of like a cast party, not to diminish what the High Holy Days are, but like you get to see all these people that you love and, and got to hang out with one or two nights a week. And reconnect and be like, oh, like, how are you doing? What's going on? Being able to like learn a song together, that is so like you develop that community and that sense of we're in this together. Fantastic. And and now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, uh, Sarah, tell us about your uh, newest uh, challenge in the world of TBA theater. <laughs> I am so, so honored to be playing the role of Dorothy in this year's production of The Wizard of Oz. You must be just <laughs> totally jazzed about it. <laughs> I it I mean, absolutely thrilled. Um, I think it's funny because I didn't... That was one of those roles that I had always loved and hoped to play and thought that, you know, being now 30, that wouldn't uh, happen. And then, you know, I, I am extremely young at heart. Your dad is in the cast. Yep. How'd you convince him to do that? (laughs) I, he told me a story once of how he I think he was in high school and he played Cupid in a show. And so in the back of my mind, I'm always like, he just, he, he wants to be on stage too. And he was in, when we did Carousel, he was in Carousel as well. And I just remember 
I think one of the things that people know most about my dad is he just, he's always smiling. He just has this great grin. And I remember going home after the audition. I was like, you should do it. You should, you should do the show again. He's like, what? You know, maybe I will. And sure enough, he, I auditioned on the Sunday, he auditioned on the Wednesday and it's so fun. Cause I, you know, I don't, I don't live at home and I'll, you know, I, I see my parents fairly regularly, but when we have rehearsal together, we were texting earlier. He was like, yeah, I'm going to be at rehearsal t- uh, tonight. You can, we can have dinner afterward. Like it's just, it's, we're able to have that time together at rehearsal. I love, love sitting next to him and learning the songs together. We've been going through the merry old land of Oz together. It's just, it's so fun having that familial aspect too, and being able to share that with my dad. And then my mom, who is not theatrically inclined, um, is, is gonna, I think she's gonna usher for this show. So she's gonna also be involved because she knows how much we love it too. So it's a family affair. Exactly. Exactly. Which is just such a, just such an incredible time. And then it's funny because I was like, oh, like, is it weird that like my dad's going to be in the show? And then I showed up to rehearsal and like, there are so many families and it was amazing. It was just such a great time to see that like the experience that we get to have as father and daughter that like other people are doing that too. Yeah, I think there's something very powerful about families doing the play together. It really is a statement about how we can share such great things together. You are very open about acknowledging that you are adopted. Yeah. And I wonder if you'd be willing to share some thoughts about that. How old were you when your parents told you? And what has it been like? And as you've gotten older, how do you think it's shaped your sense of who you are and how you see the world? So when I was two weeks old, my parents went to the foster mother's house where I was staying and picked me up. They've had me since basically the beginning. One of the things I am most grateful for about my parents is that they never hid my adoption from me. It was something we always talked about. It was something that was never shameful, was never hidden. I don't remember being sat down and being told, hey, by the way, I always knew. We had like a, I think it was Family Circus had a a comic once that um, it was the little boy in the front and he's pointing to this baby in a carriage in the back. And he says, you know, we came from mommy's tummy, but Tommy's adopted. So he came from his mommy's heart. And that Mm. was always Mm. up on our fridge. You know, you're adopted. That does not mean that we love you any less. The only thing that they waited a little bit to tell me about was that my birth mom had had a daughter before me and had kept her. And (laughs) there's a little bit of debate in our family as to who told me about my younger sister, who my birth mom also kept. But those were two pieces of the puzzle that it's a little tricky to try to explain that to a child. Yeah. There was never, never was like, oh, why did, why did she keep her and not me? What's wrong with me? Like consciously, I never had any of those 
thoughts because talk about being grateful. My parents are awesome. <laughs> you do have awesome parents. It's true. They're really, really amazing. And we have a very, very close, incredible relationship. And and having that as that foundation for me in sorting through what being adopted means and to me and, and how that fits into our, our lives. We've been very f- fortunate. Fortunate's not the right term, but what I'm going to use in that I look very similar to my parents. So we never had to, like, if we walked into a room, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's their kid. Like we never had to necessarily explain or justify anything, but we had the opportunity to share our story with whoever wanted to hear. I remember in elementary school, my parents would come in and kind of talk about what adoption meant and and what it was to the kids in my class, Mm. which was amazing. And we had always kept up. A relationship with my birth mom. My mom would send her letters and pictures with updates. I would assume that at a certain point you were, I'd love to meet my sister. And like, how, how'd that all come down? Did you meet her? And if so, what was it like? Yeah, I, when I turned 18 through the agency, I sent a letter to my birth mom and my two sisters to say, hey, How's it going? <laughs> um, and I got letters back. And we had a, a letter and then an email correspondence up through 2012. They live right outside of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. So it was the end of my freshman year of college. And we, my mom, dad, and I piled into the car and drove out not all the way to Pittsburgh, but we met halfway and it was my mom, my dad, my birth mom, my older sister, my younger sister, and my birth grandmother all meeting up for lunch in some random restaurant (laughs) who did not know what hit them. (laughs) Right. And it was, I mean, it was amazing just, you know, having these people who you have always known about, have always known that there is a connection to them and to meet them and have them be a tangible person is crazy, especially since that year in the summer, I went to my birth mom's wedding Wow! and met a bunch of people I'm sure I was related to, but it just, (laughs) it was so, I mean, it was another very welcoming community of people who were just excited to see me and meet me and know that I was there. Amazing, Sarah. So it was a profoundly positive experience to actually meet this part of your life. Yeah. One of the things I always wanted growing up was a a sibling in particular. I knew I was like, it would be so cool if I had a sister or brother. And so at at the wedding, my birth mom also told me that she had also had a son after me who she had put up for adoption. Hmm. The five of us all ended up meeting a couple of years later. I think it was back in like 2016. We all met and got to reunite for the first time ever. And although I'm not as close with my my half-brother, I am extremely close with my two sisters. 
it has been so incredible to get to know them and to also just realize how similar we are, which is someone who is has all her life been looking for those similarities within my own family. And there are a number of them. I think as soon as I started talking with my older sister and my younger sister, it's like we all fit in the same, we have the same intonations. We think similarly. It's kind of freaky, but... <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, but also kind of extraordinary. It's been amazing. Yeah. So Tyra is my younger sister and Brittany's my older sister. And we've all been kind of developing and strengthening and figuring out what it means to be sisters when we have different families. Yeah. It just underscores that there's no such thing as a standard definition of what a family is. <laughs> That's for sure. How the pieces come together. And as you got to know your sisters, was it hard for your parents to to see this? I mean, was there any kind of anxiety about I don't know not, not about losing you, but I don't I don't know, but some sort of like thing that they're not actually part of. Ironically, right that, sure. that you're their daughter, and yet they're not part of this aspect of your life. I think initially there was. I mean, how can there not be? Like, yeah, yeah, and I think. As soon as we all got together, that fear and anxiety completely evaporated. I mean, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that brings them the most joy about all of this adoption stuff, other than obviously having a child, because that's a pretty good bonus of adoption. I would say. <laughs> but I think seeing the relationship build between me and my sisters, I think has also just been such a joy for them to see because, you know, they made the decision to only have one child. And my younger sister, came, Tyra, came and visited me a couple of years ago when I was still living at home. And she and I were just like sitting on my bed, just like chit-chatting until really late at night. And I was talking with my parents about it afterwards. They were like, that was so cool. Like, <laughs> they're like the biggest cheerleaders of like, we just want you to have this awesome relationship with these people because it's family has always been so important to them. And, and they've always been so supportive of whatever journey I felt most comfortable in terms of my biological family journey. And I've always been so supportive of it all, which has been another, you know, piece of the gratefulness puzzle that it could be very easy for them to, you know, not want to know or, or not right. want me to do that. And, and instead it's, no, I think that's an awesome decision. Like you, you go and meet them and you go and have that time with them. And if you want to share that with us and tell us what that was like, we're so excited to hear it. It's, it's wonderful. You really do have great parents. It's true. Tell us what you're doing in addition to coming to rehearsals and appearing in this play. What do you do in your life? Um, so I, after I went to Muhlenberg, I realized that I, theater was fabulous and wonderful, but it wasn't what I wanted to do as a career. And so I ended up going back to school to an accelerated nursing program at uh, MGH's Institute of Health Professions. And it was an 18-month intensive program. And I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and took my licensing exam and became a nurse. And I moved to Pennsylvania and became a 
neonatal intensive care nurse at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for, I started in May of 2020, which as you can imagine, is wow. a, a tough time to start anything, particularly a career in nursing <laughs> and was there for two years and decided that coming home to Boston was the right direction for me. And so in July of this year, oh, last year, oh my goodness, we are in 2023, aren't we? <laughs> in July of 2022, I moved back to Boston and am working as a pediatric registered nurse in a pediatrics primary care office in Watertown. And it is talk about returning to your roots. It's where I used to work as a medical assistant before I went to nursing school. The same practice. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I was able to come home and come back to that. And they also, like TBA, have welcomed me with open arms. And it's been amazing to return to the people that I work with or had previously worked with and meet new people and be able to help so many families and kids. And it's amazing. Sarah, I, I was thinking the kind of wonderful cycle uh, of your life and this play uh, that you were in it so many years ago, little kid. And now uh, here it is, you've come back to town and how ironically wonderful it is that what's the foundational statement, <laughs> the magic words, there's no place like home. Is it true? Oh, yeah. I mean, it. there are so many aspects of my life right now that are kind of coming full circle and are all about home and what home means. And the fact that the first show that I auditioned for after a long hiatus from theater is for a show specifically about home and finding your way back home and the journey that you take to then return home. And then to be able to play that character who goes on that journey, having just been on it myself in my own life is surreal. I think it helps with figuring out how to play Dorothy, how to act Dorothy, and how to connect even deeper with the show that I'm coming home after living in Philly. I'm coming home and living in the same area as my parents. I'm coming home and returning to the temple and 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 developing that closer connection with Judaism. And I'm coming home and doing the show that literally started my love of theater is like that's a movie script. Like that is, it is bizarre and incredible that this journey for Dorothy is a journey that I am so familiar with and seems to fit so nicely is just I, it's just a blessing. Well, I for one am thrilled about not just uh, having a small role, but but most importantly, um, watching you uh, tackle this role and bring to it the kind of focus and love that you have shared in describing it right now. So I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. I'm so excited for you to be the mayor of Oz. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, listen, I'll uh, see you at rehearsal. <laughs> exactly.
Sarah, as you uh, think about your future and what's next, um, how do you read the arc of your life? Like, where you, where are you going? I was asking that question a lot about a month ago. Like I said, I I literally just turned thirty, and that was a very f- for I think people who are not right around that age, they're like, ugh, like the younger, like people who are younger are like thirty, so old, and people who are older are like, ugh, thirty's just it's nothing. Stop. <laughs> And I think that moment was such a, was such a a defining moment of like, where do I go from here? What, Mm -hmm. where does this go? And I think I am still at the peak of this wave. I think I'm still loving what I'm doing, loving the opportunities I've had. I don't even know that I can think about what comes next because I'm in it now. I'm in what's bringing me joy and who know who knows what life will br- I mean you know I thought my life was going to go a particular way and then a global pandemic hit and like that's you never know what's going to hit and just True. being in the moment and existing and loving every second of this is I'm going to ride that wave as long as I can Well Sarah Winter it has been so much fun talking to you. And I think I certainly speak for everyone who will listen and certainly for the people that know you that um, the whatever road it is you're taking, you will do it with a kind of grace and style and laughter that uh, makes it such a pleasure to know you and to be in your presence. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a joy. Good, good. (laughs) Find all of our episodes on BethAvoda.org or on podcast sites everywhere. Special thanks to our brilliant producer, Amy Tonconagy, and our intrepid engineer, Mike Kligerman. (laughs) 